Hi everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required. Hey guys, today we got a real treat. We've got the team coming in from BA Games. Ed and Dave are going to come in and talk about a successful Kickstarter of their game, Cult of the Deep, what it's like designing a game, as well as just some general, what do you like about gaming talk? And then, later on, Sam will join us as well, and we'll do a round of Know Your Character. All that and more on this episode of The Dapper Meeple. All right, so this week um, we had the pleasure of getting contacted uh, by the guys over at BA Games. So we have Ed and Dave with us. Uh, if you guys want to introduce yourself, Ed, you can go ahead and start. Yeah, tell us a little bit about where you, uh, about what you what you guys do, and then we'll let Dave chime in. Sounds good, man. Uh, so I'm Ed Stockton. Uh, I'm uh, one of the co-founders of BA Games. We recently kind of had a Kickstarter about a oh, year ago now. Um, so I'm, I'm actually out here traveling for work out here in Virginia. So I was just, you know, perusing the local board game store and things like that. Came across your card and like checked out your website. Um, so I guess in a podcast, got in contact. I'm super excited about being here. Um, and that's pretty much me in a nutshell, man. Nice. Nice. Dave? Yeah. So um, I was not, I w- I've been around. So I'm Ed and Sam's younger brother. They're both of the founders of BA Games. Um, I started as a playtesting guinea pig. And now I am officially a game designer nice. for BA Games. Um, other than that, I mean, this is my first podcast, so I'm excited to be here. Um, I'd like to see how this goes. Nice. I will tell you that um, I'm a big advocate for using like younger brothers as the test subject for anything. Yes, I'm a big advocate <laughs> of being a test subject. I guess uh, you know, it's just it's the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So um, we'll get into the game. We'll talk about the company and stuff first. I have a question that I haven't heard answered yet. In any of the questions, BA Games. What is that? What is BA? Uh, so I wish Sam was here. So he's the other half of the original co-founder. So it was me and Sam that originally co-founded. He, so I'm the oldest of, well, I'm actually second oldest of five. So I'm number two. And Sam is number three. Dave is number four. Um, and so lots of guinea pigs to try things on. Oh, for yeah. Your brothers, right? Anyways, long story short, when he was probably, this is like early 90s, right? So right. I'm like 10 and Sam's like seven. Um, you know, those old tape decks that you hit record on. Yeah. So, you know. Rapping was big with MC Hammer and that kind of thing. <laughs> Needless to say, he got a hold of a tape recorder and he made his own rap song and it was called Brothers Awesome. Nice. Doot, 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 Brothers Awesome. Some kind of <laughs> yeah. weird nonsense, right? I wish I had it I was going to say, if you still had that tape, it would be gold right now. Oh, man, I would show it to everyone. It would make me so happy on the inside. <laughs> and you would be so red in the face all the time. Um, sadly, Sam can't be here because he's at Adepticon this weekend. Nice, nice. So he's over in Chicago doing, doing that kind of thing. Um, real heavy into the miniatures is what he really enjoys uh, outside of board games and obviously TTRPGs. Uh, so yeah, that's what BA game stands for. A lot of people assume the other, right? Right. Um, we, we we hope to make that type of game. You know, that's the point, right? Uh, but right. it actually is brothers awesome. Um, that's fantastic. Based off of some old rap from my younger brother. We uh we did the same thing as soon as we're like, what do you think that means? <laughs> <laughs> obviously, the the first and obvious answer we're like, it's probably that. It can't be that, but maybe, maybe. <laughs> So um, I know for us, we're um, 
we do a lot of board games. We also we're big into TTRPGs. Um, I am venturing into Warhammer um, for my first time. Um, definitely, Josh was a Magic player all the way through college. So I mean, we've kind of been around the space for a while. I mean, what kind of drew you in? How did you get to here where you're developing your own board games? Um, so we've been involved in the hobby since like probably. So growing up, we moved around a lot. Yeah. So when you move around a lot, you don't have a lot of friends because you move to new places. So your friends are obviously your family um, and being all brothers and stuff like that. So I grew up with like Heroescape, uh, Battle Lore, all those old, uh, Mutant Chronicles, that kind of things. And that's where a lot of the uh, time was spent and things like that. And that grew into a love of board games. It's interesting is I'm, I'm, I'm very heavier into board games. Okay. Uh, my yep. older brother, Matt, he's the oldest. He's very much more into the miniature side of the house. Yep. Sam's into the miniature side of the house. Um, obviously, we've, we've done all all. Of it, right? Yeah, right. Um, but Sam kind of did a lot of things in high school with the TTRPG inside of the house, which then kind of evolved into the miniature side of the house and the board gaming side of the house. I used to do a lot of miniatures, but then I just don't have as much time to paint and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm quite a bit younger than Sam and Ed. Uh, there's a 12 year difference between me and Sam, and a 14 year difference between like me and Ed. Right. And so. I didn't grow up necessarily the same way that they did, but I always remember as a kid, you know, they would tape off a giant, you know, rectangle on the living room carpet and they'd play <laughs> Warhammer or they would play, you know, other kinds of games. I remember uh, like family game, like, you know, they'd be playing like Ninja Burger or like Munchkin or something on right. like the, the dinner table. Right. Yeah. And so I always remember that. And I, that was like my first exposure. So I always was like, always wanted to do those things, but I was just never quite old enough yet. Yeah. And yep. later on, probably in high school, I started to pick up uh, Magic a little bit. Um, and I knew that Sam played some Magic, but I picked up Magic, you know, playing it during lunch hours and stuff. Later on, after high school, I actually worked for a game store um, in my hometown. And I picked up comic books, Magic the Gathering. Um, I had a couple Warhammer armies. Um, picked up. I started playing a lot more board games, uh, things like that. Uh, right now, I am in love with BattleTech and yeah, I've seen uh, it. board games. So, yeah, nice, nice. It seems like you guys got you guys are pretty well rounded, just in the community. Um, a little bit of everything. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. It's it's kind of nice when you have uh, that many siblings and brothers or, or, or friends, right? You can you all enjoy everything, but personality wise, you know, different people are attracted to different things yep. or different yep. stages in life. Like, like I really got into real board games because. Man, painting all those miniatures. I like playing the miniatures, but man, painting it, I enjoy it, but not as much as some of my other brothers and stuff. So. Right, right. I know that's, uh, like I said, I'm just venturing into it. We went to PAX this year, and uh, I picked up a copy of Kill Team. Yeah. So that was my, I was like, I don't want to build a whole army, but I could do 10 dudes, right? Like, and then I realized I had to do 20, and now I've got like two other, three other Kill Teams to paint. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see how that goes. You got the bug. Yeah, yeah, it happened. It happened. <laughs> I've been fortunate enough to stay far away from that bug. Although, our last episode we haven't put out yet, we actually interviewed the guy who runs the local games workshop. Um, he came in with us, and he brought in a bunch of stuff, and he was like, I know you don't really like miniatures, but here's our miniature slash board game. And I was like, don't you do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh, but, it's good times. We we're definitely well rounded in the hobby as well. We enjoy we enjoy board games a lot, and TTRPGs is really where we find ourselves more often than not. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, one of the things we wanted to um, kind of talk to you guys too. Um, now that we got kind of your background. Um, what led you to want to be um, actual designers? 
that's a that's a good question. So I wish once again, I wish Sam was here. Um, right. He was actually the original designer. So this would have been Gen Con. Was it 2019, Dave, or 2018? 2018. Yes, 2018. Yeah. 2018. Right. Sam had been kind of toying with it, and so we've always talked about like, hey, we're going to open some game store. We're going to all do this thing, and, and, and Sam actually took the time to create something. He created a couple different things, and then so uh, I think we were there at Gen Con. We we're hanging out, and Sam's like, hey, I got this thing. I got this game. I want to show you. I created this thing. So that that that's what eventually led into Cult of the Deep, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, and so we've always wanted to be in the space. Like, who doesn't want to be? In the space? I'm oh, sure yeah. it's one of the reasons why you're doing the podcast. It is, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, you, it's such a wonderful hobby, and there's there's so many wonderful people, and you get to meet people. And that's why I play games. I get to meet people. I get yeah. to hang out with people. You go to a convention. Yeah, I get to see all the shiny new things, and you know, I'll suffer from the FOMO that everyone else suffers from. But the parts you remember are the people you're hanging out with, the things that you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Sam's like, "Hey, I got this thing." And so we did. We played it. Genuinely, it was fun. And so I went back. I was and I, I was I was unmarried, so I was talking to my wife, and I was like, "Man, there's something there." And so I called Sam up, like probably two weeks after Genuinely, I was like, "Hey, man, we need to do this." He's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "We need to produce and do this thing. Let's do this thing." And so that's where BA Games started, um, and that was back in. Yeah, that that, that that long ago. It takes a while to do these things. You know? It does. It's yeah, weird. it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our uh, like our start was pretty similar. We had talked about it for a while. Um, like I was getting out of the Navy and stuff. We, we went PAX 2019. Yeah. And just that was our first big convention that we'd ever been to. And just walking out of that, it's like, like you said, who doesn't want to be part of this? Yeah. Like, it's like it's amazing to go there. Just I mean, everything is so charged. Everything is so. And it's all the people that are there to do the same thing that you love. It's all about sharing whatever your love for gaming is, whatever you know background you come from or whatever you play. You can just sit there and play it together, play something new, find something new, find somebody new. Like I always said, some of the best friends I ever have, I met sitting around a table. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, that, that's where it originally started with me and Sam. Um, Dave was there because he actually lives in the same location as Sam. Cool. And I'll let Dave take over from there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, even though I wasn't like a officially part of the lot of the founding in BA games. I was actually living with Sam at this point in time. Right. Um, I, I had moved out and this is before I got married. And so I was living with Sam while I was like looking for a job for a bit. And so I got to kind of be, uh, you know, over his shoulder kind of poking at him and be like, Hey, what's that? What you doing? You know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and consequently too, I traveled with him a lot of, to a lot of the early, like to the small conventions that were local to us and help a lot with the play testing and even like, you know, cutting out cards and, and doing stuff. Right. Right. Um, kind of the manual labor yeah. side of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That sounds like I, a younger brother the, role. <laughs> you know, and whenever Sam and Ed would uh, be like, they couldn't agree on like, ah, I want it designed this way, or I think this way is better. Or they'd be like, you know what? Ask Dave, what does he think? You know, and I'm I'm just sitting here. I'm like, I'm not really that involved, but I have opinions. So, right, know. which is perfect. Like, like I don't really know enough to know which way it should go. But here's what I think. That I think that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, awesome. So, um, yeah, let's get into the game. Let's talk about it. So, Cult of the Deep. Um, we did look up the stats on it. Just finished up this Kickstarter. You guys raised like forty three thousand dollars out of you were originally asking for fifteen. That's correct. So blew that away. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Eight hundred and twenty five backers. Like that's like that's a good showing. Yeah, it's a great showing for a first Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So where did you? Because like I said, we watched some of the the we watched the unboxing video that Sam does. Yeah. Um. And then we watched a couple of play videos. Um. It seems like I don't want to say complicated. Um. There's a lot to the game though. Like. It's definitely, it feels like it's crunchy, like they're like in a good way. Like there's a lot to digest in there. So I will say this, you played Magic, right? Yep. So 
if you um we've we've found that magic players don't have a hard time with 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 Cthulhu, right? So it's a social deduction game. You can compare it to several other games. Okay. Um, yeah. That are social deduction where like you're like, oh, who's the werewolf or oh, yeah, who, yeah. Who, who's who's the sheriff and who's yeah. the outlaw and all of them. So there's some similarities there, right? Because everyone's a member of a cult. There's a high priest. Everyone knows who there is. But uh, there are people who are faithful. Right. They're trying to protect that high priest. There's the Kabbalists who are trying to kill the high priest and like die high priest because we want to be in charge and then, then there's the heretic character kind of fills out the rest of that um tension between all the different teams and wants to kill everyone but the high priest has to die last got it yeah, um, yeah. and so that's what that's kind of like but as far as getting the kickstarter and what was the question again? i'm sorry I, I totally lost track like just the, the, like it seemed like i said there was a lot in the game like Dave's it's laughing at me yeah, so, <laughs> yeah it's, it's okay it's okay <laughs> yeah like so let's start with just talking about where did you guys get the inspiration for like i mean that's a theme game which we've talked about like you know you you get a lot of like the games that don't really have a theme like more of the euro game style and this one definitely has a very solid theme to it so where did that idea come from so uh, me sam was visiting uh from uh nebraska down to where i'm at in new mexico mm-hmm. Um, and we, we were chatting there and talking, and we 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 decided that we were moving forward. Uh, were you around then, Dave? Were you visiting too? Um, I, I don't remember. To uh, be I I don't remember. It's been so many. It's been so long. It's ago. been a while, right? It feels, it feels like a lot's happened since then. Yeah. A lot has happened since then. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. long, long story short, we're we're sitting there like, hey, we got this game. What kind of theme, right? So when we were originally founding BA Games, we're like, what kind of games do we want to produce, right? Do we want to just slap on themes or do or do we want to do something like we want games that are thematic? We want games that have player interaction um and, and because that's why i play games is to interact yeah, with right. people and so those are and we want to have a quality game right so you're getting a, a good bang for your buck and so with that in mind we're like what really fits this theme that like and like a cult a cult fits that theme right you got someone in charge and you're trying to figure out like what what is more culty than stabbing people in the back and no no one knows who you really belong to, right? You kind of have that kind of political scheming and false movement and stuff like that. It fits wonderfully in a cult. It's yeah. great, great theme. I could totally, yeah. And I'm a fan of cults. I don't know why, because one of these days I'll start my own. Um, They're fascinating. Right? <laughs> Just to watch some of the stuff happen. Um, so I like the theme. I was a big on that. Um, your artwork and stuff, who, who, did, who did the work for you there? So we had uh, Liam Peters. Um, okay. He's originally out of Australia. Sam found him. So my brother Sam's big into the art side of the house, and all of the artwork and art design and the art direction was all done by Sam. Got it. Got it. Um, and Sam has an eye for art. Um, it's one of the reasons why he likes to paint miniatures and things like that. That's like that's like his shtick. Like he's a, a stickler for some of these detailed things. Um, and so that's where the artwork. The artwork's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, Liam yeah. Peters is is a phenomenal artist. He's phenomenal to work with. He's he's over in uh, Texas. Um, but all the artwork was done by him, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it is. I, we were, like I said, we were flipping through some of the videos and stuff, and it just, I mean, it looks great. The rule book that they, he was showing looked great. Like, I mean, everything looks solid. Even the box when he was taking it apart, because Sam was showing us too. He's like, "This is a this is a thick box." Just so you guys know, when he's doing the unboxing on it, I mean, it just it looks so good from what we've seen so far. It's the quality coming out. Sam's a stickler for the details and quality, and that, it really shows with a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you need that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes a big difference. I mean, we we do we've done a few game reviews, and that's one of the big things. I mean, you can tell when a game has the designer has taken the time with the components, and it's not just you know throw just whatever we can get into the box. It's like literally thought out and stuff like that. And that's one of the things we really appreciate about a lot of games that we play is when they are done like that. When you can feel like, man, this is good card quality. Like these tokens are nice. Like that whole thing really just creates a, a complete package for us. 
because we've we haven't done anything. We've we've backed a lot of Kickstarters. Oh, so yeah. how was it from that side of the house deciding to go with? And was I mean was it something? Was Kickstarter? It was still the kind of only show in town for crowdsourcing at the time. Uh, pretty much. Uh, so Kickstarter is an interesting platform. You know, there, I know there's a big online debate about like, oh, it's a pre-order platform. Oh no, it's, it's a bootstrap platform. And the reality is, it's, it's kind of a little bit of both. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kickstarter has evolved like anything else as a service, as as, as, as it has expanded and things like that. I find it fascinating what GameFound is doing and some of their things. Um, Kickstarter still has a larger user base um but kickstarter i think a lot of their sam would be able to give you all the numbers but he, sure sure he, he, he's actually a marketing guy um one of the reasons why we did so well um but a lot of their money comes from the board game hobby side of the house that's where they make a lot of kickstarter kickstarter makes a lot of their money so that being said it, it was definitely different right because you back a kickstarter you're like oh what's the update yeah next yeah. month oh what's that you know, <laughs> yeah. you know and then on the other side of the house it, in order to be to have a successful Kickstarter, it's not. I think something like fifty or sixty percent of Kickstarter the first time trying to fund something fail. Yeah, the yeah, first I've seen Kickstarter, that. everyone. Knows, I think that's the, that's the number I've heard, and the amount of prep work that that involves is a ton, right? So the Kickstarter ended March of twenty twenty one, and so prior to that, like we're talking, we went to Gen Con at twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, and all of that year and a half, two years prior, it's all work. Yeah, yeah. It's all work of like, okay, not only creating the game, but like, how do I get someone to even know who I am, right? If you just show up to Kickstarter, have a bunch of pretty pictures, and you spend tons of money, great, but no one knows to go there and look for it. You you will get some, but unless you happen to catch the right eye at the right time with the right thing, success is all preparation. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think Kickstarter's gotten to the point, too. There are so many games on there that, like you said, 50 60% of them will fail. But getting somebody to see yours and getting to pick it up, what did you guys do to make sure that it was more successful? Um, I think that's where Dave came in a lot of times with some of the conventions and some of that. Yeah. So um, we, especially when we, we, we went to a lot of small conventions. Okay, yeah. And our big thing was was two goals. One, uh, just make connections with, with just people. Uh, like start to build a community around our game and get people aware of it. They may not necessarily remember us when they walk out the door, but when they see our Kickstarter page or they see us on Facebook or they see something else, they may be like, oh, I remember those guys. Um, so we wanted to do that. And the other half of that was also doing a lot of playtesting and having people like tell us like, oh, this game is good and kind of getting a general feel. Since this is our first game, we weren't really sure how it was going to really be received. It was kind of scary, like sometimes going to conventions and like pulling it out and, and some people like not being super hyped about it and some people liking it, but being like, oh, you should like change all this and stuff. But a big part of what I think our Kickstarter success was building up community a little bit before we actually launched the Kickstarter to, so that if people saw it on Kickstarter and they get reminded of it, they, they remember us and they say, oh, I've played this before or I've seen this before. Like they've already got, you, you already put it in their minds and then when they get to see it, uh, you know, that, that, that keys them in on it. Um, your play tests, were you doing that at conventions? Did you do play tests before when you were developing it? Um, we did play tests constantly. <laughs> it's the one thing with, uh, Sam, Sam is very particular with, with a lot of details and things like that. And being that like, we didn't, you know, this is our, our first game. 
it was like make small minute change and then play test the crap out of it. Right. And now we've kind of changed our how development goes because you know you can't we don't want to wait five years between every game. That's fair. But yeah, um, fair. we did a little bit of play testing because it's nice to have people who are going to conventions who are looking for things to buy or just things to play and they're looking for new experiences. And so it's a really good way to kind of do that double of, hey, we exist, and what do you think of our game? So uh, how, how do you guys filter through, like, your playtest feedback? Because, I mean, you mentioned how you had have some people that come in and give you a list of a bunch of things that they want to change. So kind of what, what was the process for kind of figuring out what was a good idea to change or what was something that, like, uh, we, we really want to hold on to this thing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, there's a lot, you do get a lot of feedback. And a lot of it is not necessarily awesome. And it also changes from person to person. Really, um, the thing, at least that we were looking for or that we noticed is trends, right? So if I play with one group and they say like, oh, this uh, this mechanic needs to be changed. And I play with another group at a different convention or later in the day and they say the same thing and we continuously get that. Because the things we we're looking for were like, how intuitive is the game? How readable is the game? Does the theme feel good? Do yep. people understand the concept? Because it can be difficult to maybe like translate to people who've never seen the game before, like all the work you've done and everything that you've put into it and yeah. what the vision of the game is. Um, as far as filtering feedback, a lot of it was looking for trends and looking for what a lot of people said the same thing and going from there. And the other thing is too, is that people who play similar games, right? So if someone says, well, oh, I really like Secret Hitler. I really like uh, Werewolf. I really like, you know, all those different variations. Um, they may be looking, they may be kind of the target for Cult of the Deep, right? And so they may have feedback that's uh, different than someone who plays like mainly Euros, right? So right. like we, we did go to a convention and there was a bunch of guys who were into super heavy Euros and they were all prototyping and playtesting their super heavy Euros and they kind of thrashed Cult of the Deep a little bit because it wasn't a heavy hero. And you have to realize, too, is that they were expecting something that was super heavy, super crunchy, uh, you know, takes three hours to play kind of thing. And that's not what Cult of the Deep was. And so their feedback, it wasn't that it was completely invalid, but it was coming from a different perspective. And they're probably not the target for the product itself. Right. It sounds like they had a little bit of kind of a bias already Correct. coming into it. Yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um so now, I mean, it's finished. You guys are filling orders and stuff. How is the play now? Like, what are you said? It's a social engineering game. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning, um, but really getting into the nuts and bolts of the game. Like, if you're trying to sell this to somebody, um, like your target audience, are you looking? You're probably looking for you're looking for seasoned gamers to play this. So we're looking for ga seasoned gamers. Uh, we have found just some general trends at different conventions and things like that. We have found people who play social deduction games mm -hmm. enjoy the game. We have found people who have played Magic the Gathering or card games um, have an easier time understanding what's going on and things like that because outside of the basic rules, a lot of it is card-driven with like, hey, yeah. here's my player's special power, and then I have this once-per-game special ability that allows me to alter gameplay instantly once per game, which is super powerful, but that's much more aligned with a lot of your TCGs, Magic the Gathering, things like that. Right. So if you've yeah. played those and are used to those interactions, you have an easier time. Um, we have also found that uh, TTRPGers... Tend to enjoy the game because of the role playing element there. Yeah. Um, you, you enter what you know the magic circle you enter into. When you enter that into a board game, a lot of uh, when you get into social engineering or social deduction games, 
there is an element of at play there that you're not just like this is the only move, the optimal move, which is very much with with heavier heroes, which I enjoy. Right, right. Because that's the puzzle aspect. Um, this game has a puzzle aspect, but there's that social engineering aspect, uh, and we found so that's more of the target audience. Um, and it, 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 it's it's a little bit of a smaller niche inside the board game community, I would say. We we have found, um, but anyone who enjoys just rolling some dice, because you know you, you pick up your dice, you roll them three times Yahtzee style. Right. You put them. You know, you either hurt other people, you heal other people. Heal yourself, or there's there's rituals in the middle which allow you to eventually, which when you dedicate dice there, they they do something um, usually to benefit you or your team or hurt someone in someone else's team, and then when you complete the ritual, you usually get to keep it and it gives you kind of a it adds on to your character's abilities and power and things like that. So the nice thing about that, and one reason why we kind of shifted um, instead of like the whole he said she said or you know you're the bad guy, no you're the bad guy, like what's the proof? Because I pointed at you, he's like you actually have to do things and that actually indicates who you may or may not be. And there's a couple of variants and things like that. There's like a necromantic high priest. So like, yeah, the high priest is dead, but that's not, that's no longer the end condition because he's a necromancer. He comes back to life after so many rounds. So you have to kill him and all the faithful. So it's no longer all that bad to hit the high priest, right? The right, right, right. Actually just like, you know what? I'm just going to kill the high priest. Who cares? I like that. I like that having options. Josh is definitely our brains here when it comes to board games and stuff. Me, I'm like stumbling through them and finding the ones that I like. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I've been a TT RPGer for longer than I care to admit. Um, D&D 2nd Edition. So, uh, yeah, if you ever wanted to play it, man, we have a Discord channel. Uh, you can hit us up. You can join it. We have a game night every Thursday um, and Friday. Uh, Friday is more of the, the West Coast time. I'm trying to start a game that. We have gotcha. a Thursday with more of the East Coast. Um, if you're painting your miniatures, Sam's a really good painter. We just started Miniature Mondays where he hangs out and we just paint miniatures and stuff like that. There is a tabletop simulator. If you have tabletop simulator, you can download that. Yes. We actually released a mod on Roll20. Um, it's, it's an interesting application because Roll20 is actually a not meant for board games. No, I was going to say, we use it. We have a weekly game on Roll20. Yeah, so, so yeah. you can actually find Cult of Deep on Roll20. Um, they don't let you give things away for there for free, so it's I think it's five forty nine or whatever it is what yeah, the, the yeah. whole price is, and you can actually play on there. It's not quite as intuitive as far as you know tabletop scene, which is just basically a giant physics engine, but you can play it on roll twenty, um, and it, it, it's doable. You roll dice, and it's a six sided random token you hit, and things like that. It's it, it's definitely playable on roll 20 yeah yeah we've um both of us have roll 20 we've definitely tried out some games i know you've been playing a couple of them here lately that have been yeah on tabletop uh, simulator yeah. uh yeah it's i'm a huge fan of that because i use it to definitely try newer games because um, a lot of people now are putting mods on there of ones that like are going on kickstarter things like that which i think is awesome it's such a way to get the game in people's hands uh to actually let them give it a shot which I, i'm always for yeah um, yeah what, uh, I mean, so the Kickstarter finished up and I know then you wait cause we backed Kickstarter. So how close are you guys to filling? I said, you just said you're started filling Australia now. Yeah. So we, we, uh, everything in Australia has been shipped. Okay. Um, and some people already have it. Um, there's a couple of people who say, Hey, look, I got it. I'm like, yeah, it's freaking awesome. Uh, I'm kind of <laughs> jealous. I wish I had it in my hands. Um, obviously the shipping, uh, conditions over in the u.s are not optimal. No. Um, yep. but it is off the ship and it has made it to port. So then, how long it takes to get out of port because the ports are so backed up. They right. just unload the ships and the ships take off. But, you know, that doesn't mean your container has been unloaded. It doesn't mean your ship's been put on a truck or a train to go to the fulfillment center. Right. So that's the next step that we're waiting for. So 
Hopefully soon, right? Right, we right. Would, yeah, I definitely. Would, I would love to get the, the email next week. Like, yeah, it's coming tomorrow. And then, you know, the physician has got to, you know, do a thing and pack and do all this stuff. I'd love to have that email. But we're just waiting on that confirmation. Um, and then our, so our other fulfillment is out, is out in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, that sadly, because we have three different shipments, the Australian shipment made it out. The U.S. shipment made it out. Uh, Chinese New Year hit. And it shuts down well, we were told it was loaded, and there must have been a miscommunication between the manufacturer, the forwarder, mm-hmm. and, and the fulfillment company. So something happened, some wires got crossed, and it didn't happen before Chinese New Year. So once that happened, or like they scheduled it for right after they got back, Chinese New Year happened, and then COVID has picked up over in China, apparently with some lockdowns and factories and things like that. So we, I think we literally just pushed it, you know, this will come out later, but I think we pushed out a, a, a update yesterday on Kickstarter. We're, we're just waiting for like... To put it on a boat. Yeah, that's all yeah, we want. So, so, yeah, that's and so it, easy. And, 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 <laughs> so it, close. It, it's so close. And like, and this is one of the things that goes back to like you're asking with Kickstarter. Like on the other side, you're like, why can't they get their act freaking together? Well, like I have like, it's not as simple as me and the fulfillment company. Sure, sure, oh, yeah, 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 right. It's me, the fulfillment company, the manufacturer, the forwarder. Um, you want to talk about language barriers? Um, we're you yeah. know, and we're working with a fulfillment company over in Europe. Yeah, they speak English, but it's probably not their first language. Right. You know, so they understand me, I understand them, but, you know, they then have to talk to people over in China, and I'm sure that's not, you know. Ideal. I, I'm sure they're not speaking English. You know, they're speaking whatever that common language is. You know, there, there's a lot of things going on there, but we're, we're trying to get them as soon as possible. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, the shipping costs are astronomically higher than they were and everything uh, yeah. else. It's all just been a, a giant cluster in some ways. But this was the dream, right? Hell yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> totally with you. It says on your website, the first our iteration of the dream was a game store. Yes. Is, is that still? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. <laughs> Dave said, yeah. Dave said, yeah, we're going with it. <laughs> we going yeah. with that, Dave? Well, actually, so before even Cult of the Deep actually like happened, Sam um, here in Nebraska, he, he graduated um, with his degree, and he actually started shopping around for locations to put a game store. Um, and he was really sold on that for a while until it was just not like financially feasible and just it wasn't the right time. Right, right. I think um, Sam has always, always wanted a game store. Um, I worked at a game store for several years and I, I would love to, I would love, you know, to, to manage a game store or be at a game store. It was one of my favorite jobs. It didn't pay very well, unfortunately, because that's just the nature of the beast. But um, I think, especially like Sam and myself, would be super gung-ho about a game store and that we'll see <laughs> yeah we we completely understand um like our, i will tell you that we started this podcast like i said because after packs we're like we want to get into something this is this is what we love like let's do more in here and our goal is to set up our own shop around here as well so we completely understand a lot of that it's like meh we're gonna hold off just a little bit but in the meantime, you guys got this game out and a Kickstarter successful and you're working with it. At what point after you were, or at what point even was the game successful in the Kickstarter and the funding before you guys were thinking about what's next? So there's always got to be something next if you want to do this as a business, right? Yeah, right. Like, you know, um, if you don't have something next, even some kind of inkling, you're, you're going to run into big, long stallments and stalls and things like that. So... Hopefully one day me and Sam can make this uh, and Dave and, you know, I'd love to bring the other two brothers in, right? And just have yeah. a whole Brothers Awesome Games company and just have all the brothers work. It'd be great, right? Work on, you know, have a gaming commune or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, right? <laughs> a cult, you could call it. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Some might call it that. You know. <laughs> so, 
but yeah, you, you got to have something new and something going on. So the, the plan is uh, we're working on uh, another game. Um, we're hoping possibly to get through all that play testing and figure out what's going on. We're working on trying to get some graphic design and artwork and stuff going on. Um, that's kind of Sam's wheel, wheel, yeah, wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a different game. It's going to be a dice game again. Okay. Um, we like dice. Um, I don't know if you saw the Herald of the Deep Blood and those those gorgeous dice by Dawnbreaker Dice. I yeah, I definitely saw it. That, oh my goodness, Dawnbreaker uh, Dice makes gorgeous dice. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of them. Anyways, long story short, I say that a lot too. By the way, good times. It's okay. Just keep talking too. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? We just keep <laughs> talking forever. So we have a game. It's called Forges of Ravenshire. So it's kind of a worker place game, but we're using dice, right? Okay. So yeah, you'll yeah. be um, you'll be rolling dice. Uh, Right now, you're, you're kind of a blacksmith. You're trying to become the best blacksmith and things like that. So you'd be rolling some dice, generating some resources, whether it's wood or coal or iron. Um, you'll be then transforming the, the wood into charcoal, which you can use as coal. And the coal and the iron can be mixed to make into steel. There's a little bit of alchemy component on the side where you can gather mushrooms and claws that allow you to change dice faces or move dice. Um, you're gathering contracts to fulfill the contracts. And then that's the kind of thing that's pretty much going on there. Nice, nice. Good. So we already got stuff in the works. Oh, yeah. We got that. We got a couple yep. of other games Dave's working on. He's, he's working on his mm-hmm. one of his uh, mini game designs, and he's trying to get that. Um, that's going to be hopefully the next one. Uh, a little bit of a different theme, a little bit lighter. Um, we're, we're trying to broaden the library, right? One of the things we talked about is, is again, you got to have a plan, right? So the plan is to have the first game. And then I we don't want to be the game company that's like, we make this type of game and only this type of game and that's your gaming library. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it limits yeah. yourself, right? How, how do you have longevity without some kind of gaming library that caters, right? No one goes, like, you go to a game night and you're like, oh, we're going to play this game tonight. But the next night, maybe a different game or maybe that same game. But then you're like, okay, we're waiting for so-and-so to show up. They're running a half hour late. Well, let's pick up the light game. Yeah, right. Or like, hey, they just left. Now we're down to three players instead of four players. Let's pick up the heavier game because I got hours. Right. So you want to have that gaming library. You want to be able to have the game coming in where you're like, hey, if you're looking for this, this is what we got. If you're looking for that, this is what we got. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's something that we've like talked about as we're kind of tripping through this. And uh, well, I am. Josh kind of knows where he's going. Um, <laughs> I mean, you got those days where you like. I mean, let's let's break it out that big heavy box, the onk, the you know, the bloodborne, the big you know, with all the minis and stuff. And then there's sometimes where we're just sitting around the table. Um, uh, the my girlfriend came over and her uh, one of her best friends they were having their anniversary, so they stopped in and we just had like a game night and we were playing like Dungeon Madness, something quick and fast before we go out to dinner. And yeah, for a company that. I can see it for a company that to really, you know, be around for a while, cover all the bases. Like that makes so much sense. Like I'm totally with you. Yeah. So uh, with your next project, are you guys planning on going with, going with Kickstarter again or? Uh, yeah. Um, one of the problems with, uh, well, not the problem, but uh, I'm a full-time employee for, yes. for Uncle yeah. Sam. Yeah. My brother's a full-time employee for a, 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 a business um, that has nothing to do with games. Um, Dave is a full-time employee, nothing to do with games, right? Um, in order to make that work, right? Like, I'd love to work full-time and do some of the stuff, but, you know, the money's involved is is, is real. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we did for the last Kickstarter, we, 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 we said what we wanted. Um, we, we funded. Um Obviously, what the pricing was going to be, we didn't want to change, right? We were like, we don't want to come back a year and a half later, like, hey, man, shipping is going to be more because, you know, crap happens. Uh, that's not how you establish a brand or a company. You, you meet your obligations. Sure. One of the, yeah. Probably one of the problems, not say the problems, but what kind of company are you going to be, right? You can come back and ask for more money. You can be like, this is what we're doing. We're going to fulfill this. And so uh, Kickstarter, um, 
It's also a way to advertise to a certain extent. Yeah, Not yeah, really, yeah. but it is because you have to advertise for your Kickstarter, and then you know they get their portion, and everyone gets a little gets a little piece of the pie until you finally get your piece of the pie at the very end. It's kind of sad, um, but it's a way to make sure your game's out there and it's, it's a way to make sure to get your game in front of a lot more people and things like that because the people who want something new or the people who want to support someone they know which is yep. important um kickstarter is one of those, those platforms you can do that so right now kickstarter is that platform whether it's uh in the future we'd like to produce our own games once we actually have you know a profit which is hasn't happened yet um you can actually fund some of those smaller games or do a bigger project and do that kind of thing. And then you still do Kickstarters because that's a very important part of the board gaming industry. I don't think it's going to wait. Crowdfunding yeah. is going to, is here to stay to a certain extent. Yeah. I believe um, that. I think even Stonemeyer still uses crowdfunding. Yes. They don't have to. It's a good idea too. There's always that something going on there. Um, we don't want it to be our sole model, but right now, currently that's, that's the best model. Right. Right. Getting started and getting into it until you get established. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you look at Simon though; they've made their company off of Kickstarter, like all their miniature games and stuff. All of them come on there. I mean, the last one, Marvel Zombicide, yeah, which of course drew us in. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, the, the the amount of pledges and things that they get off of there. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. But no, I I think that would be awesome to see you guys be able to produce and actually publish your own games and stuff like that. That is a definite end goal. Got anything to say about that, Dave? No, I mean you kind of kind of nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, there's not really much else to add. Perfect, so. perfect backup, Dave. That's exactly. Yep. <laughs> I'm still breathing. Yeah, right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So for people that, uh, so people that miss the Kickstarter, have you guys got to the point where you're doing pre-orders and stuff on the site? I saw. Yeah. So if you go to the website, uh, BA Games Co. So Bravo Alpha Games Co. dot com, mm-hmm. and I'll be sure to put it in the show notes as well. Thank you. Uh, it, we're, you're there, you click on the stuff. We actually, so right now we're still pre-ordering from backer kit. Yep. So if you go to the Kickstarter and look up cult of the deep, um, or go to our website and you hit the pre-order button, it goes to the backer kit website and you can pr- still pre-order the game. Um, I think the game's still $40 once it hits retail. Um, we actually got into distribution. So if you have a local game store, yep. um, you're, they can order it from wherever they get their games. Their retailer can order it from the distributors. It, it's going to go up to $45. Okay. Um, I wish we could do it for cheaper, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, it is what it is with the current things, with inflation and everything else, everything going up. Uh, but you can avail of it from there. Um, I don't know if you saw the web store. also has a lot of the artwork. If you enjoy the artwork for the game, there's canvases and art prints. Uh, we're hoping to possibly put up some shirts and things like that. Uh, you know, if you have a piece of art that's gorgeous, you know, why not put it on your wall? And some absolutely. Of that art is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So those are the two places to go. The big place is the website. It'd be at gamesco.com. Um, or you just look at the Kickstarter and see all the updates and all the things, and it, it'll take you straight to Bracket Kit where you can pre-order and that kind of thing. Nice, nice. So if anybody's looking at this, like I said, we've looked at some videos. Um, we've definitely looked at this. It, the game just looks fun, like when they're bo- unboxing it out and stuff, and just the components look great, um, and the gameplay just sounds amazing. Like I love that the social deduction side of it with, you know, um, it kind of reminds me of kind of like a little bit of Coup, Okay. Whether you kind of yeah. got to figure out who they are based on what they're doing, yeah. um, and that was a lot of fun with the dice rolling and stuff. So we're uh, we're looking forward to it. We're gonna definitely check it out um, as soon as we can get our hands on it. Um, uh, does it does it help you guys? If, like with um, is it better for the game stores to stock it? I mean, like how does that work? Or is it better to go straight through the company? So half a dozen, one half dozen, the other. Is so it, yeah. 
if you think about your experience in the hobby, right? You, you don't you don't experience that at your house. No, no. You know, not until you have an established gaming group or you happen to get online and things like that. Um, I'm a big fan of supporting local retailers. At the same time, I'm also a big fan of supporting companies and small businesses. Yep. And I'm a small business, but Definitely. a local retailer is also a small business. So I, I think it's up to the consumer with how they feel about something and things like that. Um, I don't think they should go out of the way just to only buy it for me. Do I make a little more money if you buy it directly from the store? Yes, of course I do. Right? Because I, I just cut out a couple of middlemen, the sure. distributor and the retailer. Yep. Um, but I don't want to undercut the retail stores. The retail stores are an important part of the business model for the overall industry, I think. Because if you don't have the hobby stores, you don't have a place to play. You don't have a place to hang out. You don't have a place to meet new people. You don't have a place where your backers, or even if they buy the game from you or aren't a Kickstarter backer, I would say someone who buys your game is a backer, to be an ambassador to other players. Right. Right. That that Because yeah. really that's what Kickstarter does, but on an online level. But you want that to be sustainable. You need that across. So you need the local game stores. Yeah. You want that support. You want to be able to support the retailers with whatever you can do so that they can either back your Kickstarter at the retail level and then you're, you're doing that or they can buy it from the distributor because that's what works out better for them. There's a couple different business models on the retail side depending on what they're trying to accomplish. And so I, I don't advocate for one or the other. I, I leave it to the consumer to, you know, people have limited money, limited yep. budget. Yep. So they have to decide where, where they're going and what that thing. And I think they should do what they need to do as far as what makes them feel right and yeah, that connection right. with the company and, and with the retail store with the, the hobby stores right yeah and we we had like i said you found our business card because we actually took a saturday and i was like there's a lot of game stores that we have missed because their name is comics and games yep and we took a saturday got up at like early and drove hampton drove portsmouth in the area stopping and when they had a place like layout cards we just like i ah, will put some more cards here um, so that's how you ended up finding this, like you said. But yeah, it was over at Atomic, Atomic Emporium. Yeah, which it's just it's so like it used to be a warehouse. We talked about it. like it feels like it used to be a warehouse, and they have just so much stuff. Oh, they have a ton of stuff. It's oh my awesome. god! Yeah, yeah, right. I was over there looking at like second edition modules that you could see. Like they got them. But there was some like water damage and stuff. Like these have been used, but it was just like I remember. <laughs> it was great. I lo- I love that one. So yeah. So when you when I when like when you contacted us, I was like, oh. Hey, it worked. That actually, some people are picking those up, so that's great. Um, but yeah, we've talked about all the time with these, you know, with your local game store. Can you can, can you get most of the games cheaper on Amazon? Sure, yeah, Hell you yeah. can. Um, are you going to get that community? Um, not even close. And keeping their doors open, I think, is a huge part of the just this whole thing all the way around. I don't care if you're a card flipper, if you're playing board games, you know, whatever you're doing, like you get a community build when you are supporting those local game stores and you're in there on the weekends and you're doing their Friday night magics and you're running their board game nights and stuff. So totally understand We're with you a 40, $45 price point looking at this game. I feel with what we've like done lately is, I mean, you guys are, you're right there. You're good. You're probably even a little, a little under a lot of game for what it looks like you're getting out of this box. Um, that's just me looking at it. Um, I'm not an expert, but we've done a couple of reviews and I know this is what I, I can look at a game and be like, mm, I think I'm going to like that or not. Um, but I definitely think it looks good, especially for that price. Um, I was actually in my head, I was going, ah, it's probably like a $60 game. Do what we can for the people. Right? <laughs> it's all about the little guy. <laughs> um, awesome. Anything else that you, I mean, is there anything else that we missed that you want to talk about, whether it's the company, whether it's the game, whether it's, I mean, social media, make sure you, I definitely want to make sure if there's somebody or is there a place where they can reach out to you guys? I know the website's out there, uh, com. <laughs> yeah, like, Trust me, I'd love to have BA games, but like because it's games and there's nothing else after it, like 
Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, why did I pick that name? All right. So what's important here, and our listeners should know this, is don't listen to shit that I say. Um, Check the show notes. (laughs) We'll we'll put the link in there for you guys. Um, Yeah. I mean, is there anything else? I mean, any like parting shots or anything that you guys want to get out that you want to talk about before we uh, before we get out of here with this? Yeah, actually, so with the social media, so we have our, our, our website, we have our Discord that you can come and play games with, or you can just talk about games or just chill out or whatever. We have our Minis Mondays. We also have a Facebook page, uh, Cult, you just put in Cult of the Deep in Facebook. Okay. Um, and we will post things like updates, and um, we'll occasionally do like community polls and just try to just have discussion. Um, and we do like weekly blog post articles. On our website as well, that will also go through the Facebook page there. Um, so you can go there if you're interested in kind of following what's going on. And that'll probably also get changed to other games when those when eventually those go- happen. Okay. So if you want to keep us or if you want to keep us in your eye, so just go to the Facebook page and Discord if you'd like or whatever. So. Sounds great. Yeah. So Facebook, Discord, is there an Instagram or anything? Uh, there is an Instagram and a Twitter. Um, trying to keep up on social media, man. You ha- you guys do have a social media manager. I wish, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> she's on the webpage. She's my wife, and I love her with all of my heart, but I got five kids. <laughs> oh, my God. I, that's why we saw that. We saw that she was a social media manager. There was five kids. And we were like, how do you yeah. how do you find time for that? I mean, duct tape every now and then just to keep them down? Uh, <laughs> I need, I need, I need, I need other brothers. I need, I need them. <laughs> you know. Um, so we do do some Instagram. Okay. We do some 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 Twitter and things like that. Um, we're, we're trying to. It's probably one of our weaker points, right? We're, we're great on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, right. And as Dave mentioned, there's a Facebook page. There's also the Facebook group called Cold of the Deep. Um, we, we post pretty regularly on that. The Cold of the Deep. We're we're we're, we're really trying to get that group going because the plan the plan is with the Forge of the Ravenshire, right? We're going to start probably pushing more updates there in our Discord when that starts hitting, right? We start getting artwork in. We start teasing some of the things, um, titles or asking for opinions and stuff like that. That's probably where we're going to start posting some of that. So you know, if you're interested in like having your opinion heard or, or, or uh, you guys have TTS, right? Yep. Um, yep. Looking for the, the play test for the Ravenstar and things like that. Um, that's going to start happening come the summer and things like that. Um, if you just want to directly contact us, Discord or Facebook is probably the best, best way. Um, you can also email us, right? It's like it's super simple. Like I'm Ed, so I'm Ed at BAGamesCo.com. Dave is Dave at BAGamesCo.com. And Sam is Sam at BAGamesCo.com. Pretty simple. I get it. Yeah, right? we... It's great having brothers with single syllable names <laughs> right. yep we see it it's a trend in the gaming industry now yeah. i know josh and jim yeah right <laughs> awesome hey guys i i, I want to say thank you for reaching out to us um like i said this is something that we love and we love talking to people that share that and i mean congratulations on i mean uh, i think a big first step for what you guys are looking for if this is the dream man um chase it down um we do have a couple you want to Dave, I'll tell you, we're giving we have some lanyards with some of our information stuff on it, our Dapper Meeple lanyards that we do. Um, so when he comes home, make sure he gives you one of them. <laughs> sure thing. Um, just something for you to take from us, just kind of to say thank you. We did see that your wife was part of the company too, so we didn't know if she would like a lanyard, but uh, we actually had a necklace uh, that we make. Oh wow! So you can take that home to her. Um, thank uh, you. That's kind of awesome. Look what I found in Norfolk, hon. Oh, well, she'll be excited. Actually, she loves things like this. Perfect. Perfect. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you guys for coming on. We will definitely put your information out there. The people can find your links uh, from our social media. 
Yeah. And we will be keeping an eye out and looking forward to seeing what comes out next. Oh, hell yeah, man. Keep in touch. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Uh, we'll be at some of these conventions and stuff. You should stop by. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll definitely get to it. Hey, Ed, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Dave, thanks for coming on. Um, absolutely. Working through some of the technical difficulties at the beginning, but I think it worked out well. It was good hearing from you. If you guys are interested, which at this point you should be, Cult of the Deep, go take a look at it. It looks like a great game. And if you guys get yours before we get ours, let us know what you think. All right, so now on the Dapper Meeple, know your character. So we had Ed and Dave on, and we were able to talk to them um, about their company, BA Games. So we were also able to talk to them about their game, Cult of the Deep. Um, so we brought them back in, and we're going to do our Know Your Character segment. We also have the pleasure of bringing the third brother on, uh, Sam. So feel free. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I, I'm Sam Stockton. I'm the third brother of five. And uh, yeah, the, the co-founder with Ed, the Duke of Boslandia. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So uh, what we're going to do is we've got the three of you on and we're going to run through the Know Your Character segment and we'll just take all three of you as we go. You guys can, I guess, I mean, fight for brother order. Um, but let's start with character name. Who wants to go first? Well, let Sam go first. Uh, okay. So I kind of have two characters, but I'll just choose the one. I have too many characters to choose from. But um, That's the okay. main one that I probably enjoyed playing the most was um it was a character by the name of Thorum Oakbeard. Dwarf? He's actually human who was raised by dwarves. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh Ed. Uh so one of my favorite characters, um I'm gonna go back to like early days of my RPGness. Um and the character's name was Ed, oddly enough. Um so we're talking, you know, I was in high school. We're talking like, you know, I'm sixteen, seventeen, you're talking like ninety six, ninety seven. Right. So his name was Ed. Um, he was a human character, um, but as far as system going, he was in Riffs. So oh, oh, the character class and some other things later, but that's where that stems from. Awesome. Dave, what do you got? Yes. Um, I don't have as many characters that I've played because I have the eternal DM syndrome. Been there. But when I do manage to play, um, I had a character, uh, Marcus Gaius. So it's like a total Chad. <laughs> Dude, don't judge him. That's awesome. Uh, all right, so let's kick off with Thorin. Uh, what system was he played in? So uh, Thorin was played in Pathfinder First Edition when he came out. Uh, and what's was there a particular setting? I haven't done a lot so, of Pathfinder. So he was. Um, it's the it's the Pathfinder setting. Oh right. gosh, what's it called? Valeria? No, I can't remember the setting. Is it t- like the world it's in? Okay. But um, we were running the campaign in the, it was one of the modules that came out. We had a DM. He liked to use the Pathfinder module systems. Mm-hmm. And so it was the, um, oh gosh, is it the one with the dark comet? I can't remember what it is. You deal with the drow and stuff. It was a pretty good one. Oh, I've read that. I know which one you're talking about. Uh... It was one of the earlier ones because yeah. they had like Crimson Throne and a few, but it was one of those early ones. Uh, it was actually really well written i really enjoyed it uh yeah we'll have to if we look it up we'll throw it in the, the show notes later i'm, I'm gonna look up while I'm, you guys are talking about <laughs> stuff well give me we'll just we're gonna run down a few things uh race you said was human 
mm-hmm. and lineage. How did he end up being raised by dwarves? So, you know, standard D&D character, orphaned at a young right. age. He doesn't sure how or why, but it was he grew up in a village, and he was orphaned at a young age. And so he was found by these rangers who were dwarves. That's why the oak beards. And so that's why he grew up in a village of dwarves, uh, not under the mountains, but out in the forest. Right, like hill dwarves. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so that's kind of how he was raised and found. And he kind of just, you know, he lived a somewhat normal life just so that he could be a lot taller than everybody else, <laughs> you know, and, and bullied for his gangly looks. <laughs> How'd you get so tall and skinny, boy? So, so wait, how... <laughs> they, fed, they fed him a lot, but it didn't work out. <laughs> how did you write the script for Elf before that came out? <laughs> or at least the opening parts of it. <laughs> You know, I think they owe me. Uh, I'm still in works with them uh, being my percentage. <laughs> what was his uh, class job? So he was a ranger. So he was a ranger, too. Um, he was a ranger. Um, he was the ranger with the animal companion, a giant mastiff named Bruno. Perfect. That almost fits. Before Disney now owes me money or we don't talk about Bruno. So. I feel like you should really be cashing in at this point. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, I'm just, I'm just a creator of heart. I just create all the, the wonderful movies you know and love. Just no, no recognition whatsoever. Right. Oh. So that's what happens. You pass all that stuff. We were talking about it before, how they're making millions for stuff that we used to get beat up for. Like somebody owes me a check. Somebody owes me a check. Seriously. All right, Ed. T- so, Ed, tell us about Ed. Uh, what system? Uh, he said he was from the Rift Ed. system. Yeah, right. So he's from the Rift system, um, and so if if you track the Rift system, it's very much post-apocalypse uh, Rift system. Um, there's a they're not so they're all basically humans for the most part, especially in the early days of the original books. Um, so as far as like class and stuff, he was what they call like a a crazy. So they're one of those people who have like all these augments and things like that, and they kind of go. A little bit crazy and what better name for a crazy person than Ed, right like whether it's from disney and lions <laughs> named you know hyenas named ed like crazy people are just named ed i don't know it's odd so i thought it was appropriate right right um, so he, he, he's human class he you know he had some oddities one of his oddities and you gotta think this is like 96 97 i think sam was dming um oh, he loved no. twinkies absolutely love twinkies so like <laughs> once again Creators at Heart, Zombieland, I'm 2009, post upon <laughs> Twinkies. Like, this was done in 96 in my Rift campaign. Like, I was Twinkie obsessed. Um, so, yeah. That's fantastic. Um, class, so was that his, so was Crazy his class? Crazy is, is a class. So they're, they're, they're kind of abnormal. They're kind of crazy. They're, they're basically augmented the crap out of for all kinds of stuff. It's not quite like a juicer, which is like dumping all kinds of chemicals into a body. It's much more... Um, like implants. Mental augmentation. Mental implants that does things. Nice. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Dave, uh, give yes. me Marcus Gaius. So he was um, my go-to character. when I, I worked at a game shop for a while, and so if I ever had to hop into a campaign or make a loner character, uh, Marcus was always to the plate. So he was a played in 5e. Specifically, he was played... One character, one person liked him a lot, and so they kept playing him through. They had forgotten their character sheet that week, <laughs> and they didn't really want to make a new one, and so I just handed them mine. Um, so he went through. He unfortunately died in the Tomb of Annihilation. That happens, like many characters do. Yep. Um, he's played in just a couple other just random, you know, one-offs and things like that, and then he's been played in Savage Worlds as well. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, what is his? Is he human? 
Yes, he is. So he is a human. He is a uh, standard. Well, he's a fighter. He's particularly for 5e. He has the like uh, gladiator background. Nice. Okay. So he's an exotic weapon fighter with a like emphasis on acrobatics and performance. And really his whole like background is um, when I make like 5e characters, I think D&D does a really good job of providing a lot of material for people to make characters. So I just kind of roll dice at the charts and I connect the dots is the way that I kind of like to see it. So I ended up having some kind of um, like subplot where he like he had a he had a secret admirer and then on the random items table he had a letter and so i made that a love letter from a secret admirer that he's then going off into the world to go find him or her he doesn't know because he can just only has their handwriting and he's like oh this must be an elf because the handwriting is very nice you know and things like that so he's kind of this aloof fellow that just kind of gallivants and performs and um uses exotic weapons which i always think is kind of fun so. oh yeah 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 i'm always about flavoring of weapons um so let's talk about his stats since we've got him right here um i'm hoping there's like a like there's a decent intelligence or wisdom associated with him considering he's trying to match handwriting so um he actually is really low in, in the wisdom <laughs> and, and, and category all of his stats are in uh strength uh constitution and dexterity as a fighter normally should be yeah Yes. And so, um, cause I kind of made him just as a, just very, uh, I like, I wanted to do some, some funky things with combat, especially with exotic weapons. Right. And like, so like he doesn't carry a sword, he carries a trident and he carries the net, you know, the classic, like Rotarius gladiator, say, like Rotarius. Roman gladiator kind yeah. of thing going on. And so, um, I always tried to make sure that like when I was playing that, his attacks weren't just like, oh, I'm just going to attack. I'm just going to stab. I'd be like, no, I'm going to like set the net on the ground in a particular place so that at another turn, I can pull it from underneath the feet of, the, of a different monster and tangle them. Or I like chuck the spear, even though it's like my only weapon um, or, you know, all kinds of just weird things because right. I just like the way it makes <laughs> combat more interesting and makes the whole encounter a little bit more than, oh, I stabbed him. He died. And Right, right, exactly. Adding some flavor to it, so it's just not yeah. more than all right. I guess I'm rolling a d6 again. Yep. Nice, nice. I like it. Um, stats, uh, Sam for Thorum. Thorum was actually fairly well rounded. Like he actually didn't have any dumb stats. I think it's because how we created our characters, because you would do the 4d6 drop the lowest the rolls. Yeah. So yeah. like, like our healer here, you liked heroic campaigns, and he even gave us like an additional stat. That we didn't drop our lowest stat. Oh, nice, nice. So yeah, he so was we really do like additional drop plus an additional drop of your lowest stat. So like he was pretty well rounded, though I did put actually a higher emphasis on wisdom. Yeah, for the ranger um, side of it. Yeah, for the ranger side of it. Um, but also, I come to find out that we've had a lot of run-ins with charm person or charming things in general, <laughs> which turned out really poorly for the for the party. So that might have been a metagame thing, but <laughs> try not to. But I'll just say he's a, he's a strong fortitude of will that kept him safe in his oh. mind and body. So That's... he was pretty well-rounded, except um, his probably wisdom, strength, and dexterity were his highest stats. Right, right. Awesome. Awesome. And Ed? Um, so it's been a long time since I've played Riff, but Riff is a little bit of a different system with how sure. things function and work, but you could say he was a very physical character. So one of the things about Crazy is, is like, because all these implants 
science in their brain. Um, they're very athletic. It, it alters their adrenaline and some of these other things going on. And so it's like this weird cyber technic thing, kind of ish, but it drives them crazy. So as far as like his stats and stuff, it's very much like, hey, he's super awesome at fighting and some of these things, but he's a little mentally unstable. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. That but makes I remember sense. It, like, it like mental disorders, like different personalities could happen. They could have like all kinds of like crazy yeah. stuff. It was such full of nonsense, right? You're in high school, you're 16, you're just like, wow, I'm crazy, and you're just doing weird stuff all the time. You're like, what? <laughs> but my poor Sam DM, DM had to deal with that. But I'm just like, Twinkie! And then, then like over here, and then someone else like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then you, I don't know. But then he'd be like really calm and like serene, and then like you just, like, so you have like triggers and stuff. I was going to say, you would like, just snap? Do. That's fantastic. Yeah, there, was, there was written down triggers. One was like Twinkies, one was like something, there were just like weird little things that like, if something like, that were everyday, like he'd just go nuts over, or would just be like, yes, I am, whatever. So yeah. Fantastic. Can you remember enough to remember a description? Like if somebody were to come across him in the streets somewhere. Um, he looks exactly <laughs> like me in high school. Weird. Um, I'm so original <laughs> as an RPG player. It's amazing. Oh, Except he had a bunch of like metal implants, right, Ed? Because like, crazies have like yeah, weird yeah. like things sticking out of their heads. But it was basically future me with metal on my head. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what about Thorum? If we bumped into him uh, somewhere, what would he look like? Thorum was, you know, had a you know a scar over his left eye. Had a like a. a Good sized beard because you know he grew up with dwarves. That's right. how it is. Um, he was a little uh, not too heavy, but he definitely was fed a lot of food in order to try and make him bigger like a dwarf. Right, trying to thicken him up. <laughs> but he was never thick enough for him. So. <laughs> uh, and how about Marcus? So uh, Marcus was just kind of, I guess, a stereotypical uh, Roman statuesque looking gladiator. You know, just. <laughs> normal human sized with um you know brown hair just <laughs> you know a gladiator so it's my you say it's my favorite part of uh role playing games is look my character is just cut i'm never getting there but my character is and it's fantastic in my head <laughs> right <Hell yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they uh-huh. all, they also don't have to pay a mortgage and they're rich i'm just going to throw that out there <laughs> So for uh, for Ed, what was his, what would you like? How would you classify the play style that you had with him? Um, I know we talked about he had his triggers um, that would kind of set him off, but like uh, like how would you play him? What was his kind of character motivation other than Twinkies? Uh, other than Twinkies, um, his character motivation was um, you know you got to think. I'm there at the time, I think that was the motivation. That was his motivating factor. Like that was his thing. Now. That being said, I, I play them. I tend to play characters in general. Um, I, I'm probably one of the most generic players when it comes to RPGs. I enjoy just being me, but eccentric. So this guy is very much eccentric. I enjoy the fact that an RPG, it's not really a contest, but a, or a, a thing that you probably should do. But I like to give the DM a hard time, not like in a mean way, but I like to do something outside the box. Right, right. Right. Something that the DM probably hasn't thought that someone would actually go do. And so playing that crazy character um, allowed me to do so. Like, you're like, why would you go, you know, go, go do X, Y, or Z, right? Or, you know, you know, you're like, you're at, you're in this big giant fight and then, you know, something's happening and then, oh, look, squirrel, right? Like, and just completely get off track or, you know, nothing. I don't want to get the story off track, but I want to 
tell the story and add some spice to the story. And so I try to figure out things that someone who in that situation that's a little bit eccentric adds to it. Right, right. I like that. Um, Josh has dealt with that, and I have a feeling I'm going to deal with it in our upcoming <laughs> campaign. It's uh, coming. It's coming. There's there's always payback, apparently. I didn't know that. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've ran a game for Sam yet, but Sam, make sure you take full advantage. Um, well, let's just never let a DM be a player. <laughs> oh, we every character we make is completely unhinged. It's crazy. <laughs> Everything that's been building up for years has been unleashed into the single character. <laughs> Uh, what about uh, so? What about Thorum the Ranger? Like, what are we talking about for play style for his character motivations? I mean, growing up with dwarves obviously had some like mental impact on him. I'm sure. Yeah. So a lot of his like I actually had, I went heavily into some of his skills. Right. Like like he was a blacksmith. Like so like he actually that's one of his motivations originally was he wasn't intending to be a hero. He was just kind of going to go do his everyday life. So he was he just traveled from the village to go do more blacksmithing and to make money for the family. So I, I was earning to go back to the village, you know, as part of his things. And so he did that. But then what ended up happening is he ran into um, some situations in some of the towns where there's a lot of like it's kind of like slavery kind of thing happening. Um, and that's when he took up the sword of Caden Kalian. So in the Pathfinder universe, Caden Kalian is like the god of freedom, right? And like and motivation. So he like he was like very. So that's when he sparked this attitude of like fighting and doing more. So my character became a freedom fighter, basically. Fantastic um, of Caden Kalian. So he was all about justice with his longbow and longsword, just going to town, like freeing people and like being a, a moral principle and fighting against the, the ruling class and the oppressors. Nice. Nice. Uh, Dave, what about Marcus first plank? Cause I mean, so, being an exotic weapon specialist anyway, is going to have a little bit of its own flair. How was his character yeah. motivation? And so he was mainly, so as far as like actual mechanics are concerned, mm -hmm. um, he was all about doing uh, just, you know, weird things that wouldn't be considered, I guess, like normal combat. A lot of it, like using, I was constantly doing acrobatic roles, right? So I'd be like, well, I want to like, cause a lot of the, I like to play with maps, you know, and, and grids and things like that. I'm, I'm a war gamer at heart. Gotcha. So I like, I like maps and grids. <laughs> um, and so he would always be like trying to maneuver around opponents and things like that. As far as the character himself, like he was always about um, honor Right. Because as a gladiator, right, his whole profession was, you know, a lot of people see gladiators as being just like, uh, they, you know, blood sports. I mean, they are blood sports. But even in like Roman times and stuff like that, a lot of them were actually very close to like um, plays or um, theater, just with more killing and blood. Um, but a lot of the times it had kind of that dual role. And a lot of um, gladiators actually played specific roles in either like epics or stories or things like that. So he was always about, you know, um, honor and the glory and making things like a spectacle. Right. Right. Um, right, right. And even like when he was in town and you have your free actions to do, he had a fairly high performance um, ability. So he was always like, you know, like sword juggling or um, doing like acrobatic, uh, like dances or maneuvers and things like that to be able to, to, I guess, like, show off his, like, gladiatorial prowess, Right, right. So he was always just doing weird stuff. Uh, lots of throwing weapons. Lots of throwing weapons. So Nice. <laughs> yeah. Making a name for himself. Yeah. 
I like it. I like it. Cool. Um, so, um, and I guess for any of you, whoever wants to jump in, um, how would you see your character as an NPC? Well, uh, <laughs> so that was the one thing that kind of happened, which I found out it was second darkness. Second that darkness. Was the campaign. Okay. Um, and so in that kind of, um, Thorum kind of changed in that thing. Cause he was more of like an adventurer type going out, fight the freedom, you know, you right. know, take out the oppressors. But what ended up happening is in that campaign, spoilers, if anyone wants to play that real fast, but there's an opportunity to start uh, or to take over a casino. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like where so, this is going. Being the entrepreneurial type, <laughs> they <laughs> took over a casino and doing things. So he actually kind of settled down a little bit, but in the city – he kind of started a resistance movement is what he did. Right. And so he's a business owner and community kind of leader who, you know, cares about the people. he uh, So it became very much like kind of like a community leader is what ended up happening. Right. But um, his days of adventuring, you know, you took it, took an arrow to the knee. Yes. And he became settled <laughs> down on a casino, had a wife and kids, you know, take a trip to travel to see his, the parents, the, the, the in-laws, the other dwarves. Right. So he sounds very kind of just blue collar was just trying to make my way and fell into the his wrong. way. And yeah. then, you know, he rises to the occasion <laughs> with his Gatling gun of a bow. Cause that's what Rangers do in Pathfinder. Right. Right. <laughs> right. All, and then you take one to the knee and then all you're doing is sitting and telling stories. So yeah. Telling stories. And was the casino, was the casino like a Dwarven casino? No, not at first. It was called, I think it's called the Gold Goblin is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a really seedy casino on the port, you know, for sailors and stuff. But because of the, the things that happened in the in the game and the storyline, you end up like all fighting all kinds of stuff. And like the, the town of Riddleport sounds so, you know, optimistic. So there's all kinds of like stuff that he's getting get in trouble with. But fantastic. Fantastic. What about Ed? How do you see Ed showing up in another game? So if he were to show up in another game, man, he's like that crazy old man that shows up because as you progress in levels and you have those implants in your head, it, it constantly messes with your mental thing. So like most crazies don't live long. If they do live long, they like they're they're the guy that disappears. And he's like he's the NPC that's like this crazy old man that shows up and then is full of nonsense. And if you somehow get entangled with him, like who the hell knows what's going on or what's going to happen and who's going to be here or there. And so he's the guy that like, you know, if he lives that long, he's going to have quite a bit of treasure and stuff like that. And he'll go pay you to do some weird nonsense that's going to get you into trouble. It's going to lead to other stuff. And you go back. He's like, what are you talking about? I didn't pay you to do anything. And then like walks away. Right. That's. That, that's where he'd show up in an NPC or like at a random inopportune time to cause trouble and then leave out of nowhere. Yeah. That, that, that's where he is at an NPC. He's like, you need someone to cause trouble for no reason and to get, get off the story on do something random. That's where he's at. That sounds perfect. Yeah. I, I picture him being like a, uh, a false plot line kind of thing where he just shows up to the party and is like, Hey, there's this prophecy that's going on and I need you to go get me that guy's arm. That one right there. <laughs> much, much like guardians of the galaxy with rocket. Like I, I could see him definitely being that character, right? The party spins, I don't know, maybe four or five quests on him before finally coming back. And he's like, I don't know who you guys are. You know, we've never met yeah. before. Yeah. And then the party realized they've wasted all their time doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. They've made some money, gained some levels, but really they've accomplished 
up was absolutely jacked because the prophecy is completely made up and he doesn't even know what's going on. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly where Ed would show up. He's the, the CD core of the thing, and he's like, hey, I need you to go do this. Right. You know, it's like some weird thing. And they come back, and he's just sitting in the corner mumbling, like, I've seen the signs. What signs? <laughs> the stop sign. Don't pass. <laughs> exactly. One way. Nice, nice. All right, so what about Marcus? If we ran into him in another uh, lifetime somewhere, how would how would he kind of show up? I'd probably assume. I mean, he's not the uh, the you know the brightest bulb in the bunch. Um, so his quest is is essentially like more or less impossible. Sure, right? yeah. Unless unless it's by like sheer luck. So he would probably still be you know gallivanting throughout you know from city to city and in the wilderness looking for a person with good handwriting who is he convinced <laughs> will be his true love. So. Um, you know, he's he. Who knows what kind of quests that could actually open up to? Right. Um. But most likely, either like you know, wandering around on the on the common you know roads, or um, in a tavern, performing some kind of uh you know poem or sword juggling, or in an arena, even you right. know, doing his job as a gladiator. So absolutely, I definitely picture him as that you know statuesque kind of all for the glory. When he's out in public and then like in the evenings walking around with his letter trying to get people to sign stuff for him. Could you write your name on my pad? Could you write this very specific sentence? <laughs> because I see that guy getting a sharpie. I'm like, can you write my abs real fast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Excuse me. Could, could you sign here. Yeah. <laughs> Flex for him so they have something to write on. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Cool. You have nice handwriting. <laughs> Until he tries to figure out how to match it and it's in the mirror. He's like, what the? I don't understand. <laughs> Why is this one backwards? I don't get it. Uh, that's fantastic. Awesome, guys. Hey, so this has been, uh, this is Ed, Sam, and Dave again uh, from BA Games. Uh, guys, it was great having you on. It was great talking. Um, just about the things that you've gone through to get your game up and running. This segment was fantastic. If you are looking for an NPC, whether you need a crazy red herring, um, whether you need somebody to sit on the stool and tell about how they got one in the knee, but enjoy the casino for sure, um, or whether you need that person out in front uh, being the statuesque look at me um, with kind of a tragic... Uh, quest to finish. Um, here's three great options for you that you can drop into your story anywhere. Um, guys, any parting shots? Not really, man. I just enjoy like you guys have a great podcast. I've I've gone back and listened to it. It's been great, man. Like I I I, I like the the literal brotherhood as well as this. You know, not all brothers get along. It's freaking great to see that is you know other people just having fun. That's what the hobbies are about. And it's been a blast. Just you know. One playing, play, going over to your house, playing some games, sure. doing that kind of thing, meeting you out of nowhere, and then doing this again. And we'll have to do it again, man. And oh, if yeah. you ever mentions you see us, man, hit us up. We'd love to hang out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sam, Dave? No, it's been interesting. This has been my first podcast, so it's been uh, different. Right. You know, uh, didn't really know what to expect, but I'd listened to your podcast, uh, you guys' podcast a little bit. And so I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was chill. So I'm just glad to be here. and glad to participate awesome we appreciate it we really do really do yeah it's, it's, it's awesome you know it's nice and light and it's, it's got a nice vibe to it which is you can't necessarily say that about all podcasts but it's, it's just kind of chill relaxed and like here here's here's some value that we bring right take these characters make some money 
you know, write them for Encanto <laughs> or whatever you're going to do with them. And, uh, right. Hey, Disney, if you're listening, don't you be sneaking off with our stuff again, too. Yeah. yeah if I see another human raised by dwarves, so help me. I'm suing. Awesome. 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 Thank you, guys. Hey, this has been the Dapper Meeple. Uh, I'm Jim. And I'm Josh. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys next episode. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, go look up the guys over at BA Games. You can find them at bagamesco.com. That's B-A-G-A-M-E-S-C-O.com. Or on Facebook at facebook.com backslash bagamesco. The pre-order link for their game, Cult of the Deep, is up on their website. And if you want to give it a run, you can find it on Tabletop Simulator. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at the Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.